Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to make some more friends. I do this so often, don't I? I want to talk about why the new mass does not inspire holiness. The liturgy itself, uh, and by extension, generally speaking, the parishes of the new mass are not places that we would call saint factories. Uh, there's a few things that I'm not doing here. I'm not saying that no one who attends the new mass is seeking holiness. I'm not saying that at all. I know, I know people who, when I was going to the new mass, they were people that I would say were seeking holiness, for sure. Some of them, a couple of them, if I think just off the top of my head, they were very, very holy. But it had nothing to do with the actual parish in every case, and it had to do with the things they did outside of the parish. It had to do with the devotional life. It had to do with all the things that were actually from before the new Mass, all the traditional things that Catholics do, the rosary and so forth. And when I switched to tradition, not that uh, traditional Catholics are all saints, in fact, most of us that are traditional Catholics are traditional Catholics because we recognized how unsaintly we were and we wanted that good old-fashioned religion, which would help us get there. So grace perfects nature, but our nature often is pretty poor. Um, so there you go. Uh, but nonetheless, in the traditional parish setting that you find yourself, especially when it's a true traditional parish, not just a rent a mass on Sundays at 3 p.m. where the bishop tolerates your low mass. Um, in those settings, you will find as a general principle in the parish, there is an insistence on holiness from root to fruit, from soups to nuts, as they say, in every aspect of parish life. Now, this November, I am going on a pilgrimage to Italy with Father Albert Calio, and we're going to be in the heart of the old Roman Empire, and we're going to Walk in the footsteps of some of the greatest and holiest saints, uh, such as Padre Pio, or sorry, St. Francis of Assisi, not Padre Pio, um, St. Peter, for example. And uh, if you'd like to take a look at that trip and take a trip with us, if you can, here's a quick explanation. With all the trouble in Rome, it is easy to forget about one unshakable fact. Our church is the Roman Catholic Church, and Rome is the Eternal City. What a perfect time to go on a pilgrimage to the Eternal City and the other monumental sites of Catholic heritage in beautiful Italy. Join Father Albert Calio and me this November as we tour through the shrines of Italy and the Amalfi Coast as we attend daily Mass in the Old Rite in the footsteps of St. Peter and St. Francis. Click the link in the description to register for this once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to discover the heart of the Catholic faith in the heart of the old Roman Empire. So one last thing, if you are seeking holiness as a Catholic man and you want to find holiness amidst this crazy world that we are living in, I recommend you check out the Canadian Martyrs Conference. We are less than two weeks away. This is coming up fast. Check the link in the description of this podcast to find out more information. Uh, we're only about an hour drive, hour and a half in from actually both the Buffalo and Port Huron border. So if you're coming from the States, which I think about 40 guys are coming from the U.S., we got about 170 men signed up so far uh, and counting. And it's going to be the greatest men's conference traditional Catholic experience you've had in a long time, maybe in your life. Tim Flanders giving a talk. I'm going to talk. Father Michelion is the keynote speaker. Father Stannis giving a talk. There's all-day confession, beautiful mass to start the day, a social the evening, an evening social the night before. It's going to be awesome. Check out the link in the description for that. All right, what am I talking about? Am I just being a rad trad? And also, I apologize. My mustache is unruly today. You see, sometimes some people have a bad hair day. I don't know if you can see it on film. I'm having a bad mustache day. It won't 
this little piece just won't stop bothering me. So I apologize if I'm twirling my mustache like a, like a villain in an old silent movie. In any event, what am I talking about? See, there it goes again. Goodness gracious, this little disobedient... Uh, must be an SSPX mustache here because it's very disobedient. Um, in any event, what am I talking about? Well, listen, what is holiness? Well, we can look up some definitions and stuff, but let's just speak like layman here. What is holiness? Holiness is that you are seeking to conform yourself to the life of Christ. This is what every saint is. Every saint is sort of like a flower that has bloomed in the fruitful, 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 fertile, goodness, fruitile, uh, the fr fruitful, fertile soil of the divine life. This is why saints are also different. You know, you think about people today, uh, the average secular person, they're actually all the same. You know, go, I don't know, take a stroll through the mall and everyone is just the same. And actually, don't go to a mall because they're ridiculous places. There's no modesty on any of the ads or anything like that. Don't go to a mall. But as an analogy, if you had to go to a mall because you had to return something to the clothing store or something like that you got for Christmas, you can't avoid it. Fine. But look at people walking around. Everyone's going to be wearing the same kind of clothing. Everyone's listening to the same types of music. Everyone is acting the same, talking the same. Everyone is just homogenous. And you know why? Because people just generally speaking are just sinners and we're all sinners but in this society where everyone's just far away from god everyone is just living this materialist consumerist life where there is no insistence on the divine there is no insistence on conforming ourselves to the will of christ there's no insistence on changing ourselves there's no insistence on virtue it's hookup culture it's pornography it's everyone's in therapy everyone's on antidepressants everyone's listening to stupid music that's depressing and sexualized it's stupid syncopated rhythm that makes you act like an idiot when you're drunk um Everyone is uh, smoking pot in Canada, especially with the cannabis stores in every corner. Um, you know, uh, kids are learning garbage in public schools and they're all just, oh, I'm looking at my cell phone, look at me. You know, I, I was at an arena the other day. My kids were playing hockey and it's this little house league out in the country. Anyway, point is, I'm watching some, uh, some of these parents, that mustache hair again. I'm watching some of these parents plop down on the seat, the kids sit beside them, they all pull out their tablets. I'm watching these kids just go through these reels, you know, watching these reels or whatever. And uh, some of it was harmless in the sense it was just this, whatever, general Minecraft videos or something. But some of it was sinful. Like some of it was like hip hop stuff and things. And these kids are like nine years old. Now, I know that's not the norm with every single person, but it's not uncommon. And uh, the reason I say this is because saints are the opposite of that. Saints always stand out as being kind of weird. If you think about it, saints are weird. Why is that? Because saints are holy, and holiness to the worldly person is weird. You see a man who's like, imagine seeing St. Francis of Assisi. Imagine seeing St. Francis of Assisi walking through your town barefooted. I mean, you read the stories about him. By the way, if you do have children or you just want to listen to it yourself, check out the Augustine Institute. Um, I'm not affiliated with him, by the way, but check out the uh, Augustine Institute Um uh, audio drama on St. Francis of Assisi produced by Paul McCusker. It's wonderful. And it uh, goes through the life of St. Francis. It's very accurate. In any case, St. Francis, you know, he's wearing these rundown tunics and he's barefooted walking through the frosty ground in Northern Italy. And, you know, he's like got blisters and his clothes are ripping off and he's hungry and he's gaunt because he hasn't eaten in days. And he's smiling. That's weird. And he's not like a homeless person who's smiling because he just drank a bunch of Listerine. He's smiling because... He loves Christ. He lives only for Christ. He's rejected the world and every suffering he views as the sweetness of the cross. That is holiness. 
Holiness is found in the courage of men and women who have the virtue of parhesia. What is the virtue of parhesia? It's the virtue where you say things that you must say because you are obligated no matter the personal consequences. You see this in the Old Testament. The prophets of the Old Testament, they come in. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, this adulterous generation, you, you know, idiots, what are you doing? You know, you've committed fornication with the foreign gods and blah, 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 blah. This is what John the Baptist did. Tells the king, you are living in adultery. Literally loses his head because he has this virtue of parhesia and he is martyred. This is what Archbishop Lefebvre had. I know you don't want to hear that, the anti-trads. Archbishop Lefebvre was a very unassuming man. He said, this is modernism. We can't do this. This mass that you're trying to make us do, this is not holy. Guess what? They don't like that. Because people don't like it when a prophet comes in and tells them the truth. But these saints, these different types of saints from history, everyone from Therese of Lisieux to Francis of Assisi to Catherine of Siena to St. Peter, St. Paul, um, you know, St. Maximilian Kolbe. You know, we're known for him being in the, 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 uh, the, the concentration camp thing. But before that, the, guy, the man is in Japan, walking around as a Franciscan in the Far East. You kidding me? You don't do that if you're normal. <laughs> I mean that. You only do that if you're a saint. You're going to go somewhere where they have a history of chopping your head off with a katana. I don't know if they actually do that, but that's what they do in a movie if I was producing it. Where, you know, you're going to go to a place where they outlaw Christianity for like 400 years. You're going to go to Papua New Guinea. You're going to go to the heart of Africa. Dodge mosquitoes like Neo dodges bullets in the Matrix just so you can preach the gospel to one person. You only do that if you're holy. And how do you become holy? You become holy when you don't live for the world anymore and you live for God. That's it. It's very simple. You reject the world. You embrace the cross. You reject the world. You embrace the cross. Sorry, I had to pause there for a second when my son, sons was walking in. You reject the world. You embrace the cross. Now, this doesn't mean everyone's going to be a St. Francis of Assisi. You can be a king and be very holy because being a monarch can be extremely persecutorial. It can be extremely difficult. You are trapped in your state of life. Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to entertain all these heads of state and try to negotiate, you know, X, Y, and Z? It's not like that's fun. Yeah, you get to sleep in a palace, but I don't care if you're sleeping in a palace or sleeping in a Motel 6. If you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, you're not going to sleep no matter where you are. So these material things are irrelevant, but it's an internal spirit spirit of poverty that every single saint imbibes. And, and that is part of this pursuit of holiness. St. Wenceslaus is an example. He's a king. He's a saint. Why? Because the material riches meant nothing to him. It was the divine charity, the warmth of charity in his soul, that story about him walking in the snow and the snow melting under his feet. You know, St. Philip Neri didn't live a life of insane poverty and lived, you know, in an urban setting in, in Rome. Uh, but he didn't care about the world. He cared about souls. St. John Vianney, you know, did not, you don't have to go and, and be in a, in a missionary place in the, 
middle of the jungle and be getting attacked by pirates and mosquitoes or whatever. But it's a disposition that you have. Anyway, that is holiness. And the only way that you find people or, or the only way that people find this inspiration for holiness is when your gaze, your focal point is set on the cross. It is set on the cross. Not on the resurrection. On its own, I mean, but on the cross. And why is that? Because we are sinful. We are broken. We have original sin. Obviously, through baptism, we're regenerated, but we have the effects of this. And we fight these for the rest of our life. And we have to look at the cross because our life must be a passion. This is something that is completely lost in the Novus Ordo. You know, people like to talk about validity and all this kind of stuff. Okay, fine. Novus Ordo is valid, assuming it's done the proper way, blah, blah, blah. Fine. That's, you know, people hate when I say this. That's a low bar. Validity is a very low bar. You can celebrate a Novus Ordo Mass on the back of a pickup truck while somebody's playing hip-hop from the car. And technically speaking, it could, be, it could be valid. Validity is a low bar. The priest has to say very few words, say it with the intention of the church. Doesn't even have to have incredible divine faith himself. Just has to say the words with the intention to do what the church intends to do with the correct matter and form. You have a mass. Everything around it is where we find the divine life. Everything around it is where we find this inspiration for holiness. There are obviously exceptions to this, but I can tell you, you know, back when I was in the Novus Ordo, there were only a handful of times where I'd walk into a Novus Ordo parish and think, wow, this is a very inspiring place. And if it was an inspiring place, based on first glance, it's because it retained all of its traditional beauty. But every single time I walk into traditional, to a traditional chapel, even if it's a tiny little rundown place, even if it's not even a gorgeous building, but as long as there's a high altar and there's the whole traditional setting, every single time I'm inspired as if I'm in a holy place, like Moses. You know, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. Every single time. And it has everything to do with the altar. Everything. It has everything to do with the altar. And why is that? Because it's clear when you walk in to a traditional parish that you are in a place where sacrifice is taking place and you will not find holiness without sacrifice because you will not find holiness without the cross. And in these places that are Novus Ordo parishes where they still have the high altar, there's always a table in front. There's always a table altar in front. But you look past that to be inspired. You don't look at the table. The table's not inspiring at all. I was watching, I was scrolling through YouTube a couple days ago, and there was this video that popped up. I didn't watch it, and I'm, I don't know who did it. And it was some woman's conference Catholic thing. Again, I don't know who it was. I'm not here to throw rocks at the person. So I'm not going to say the name because I don't know who it was and I didn't watch it, but the title and the description of the video, which I could see, you know, you know, on your phone, you can see the preview of the video description, whatever 
just the title of the video, the thumbnail, and the description, it was like a catechesis in this Novus Ordo humanism that is the antithesis of holiness. The video was entitled something like, How to Slay Catholic Girl Life. I, did, I, do, I don't really know what slay means. I think it means something like, you know, how to crush it, how to kill the game, how to do great. I'm going to assume it's that. I know you slay dragons. I know there was a heavy metal band called Slayer. I don't know if that's anything to do with that. But the video was about how to be good at being a Catholic girl. Fine. Okay. Could be fine. I mean, maybe they're trying to pop culture name. I still think it's weird, but okay, fine. And then the description was how to fit Catholicism into your life. That was the description. I'm paraphrasing. And please, no one go look up that video and then go throw rocks at it. I didn't watch it. I'm just saying this is, you know, this is, this was just the, this is the impression I had. And just that alone, it was how to fit Catholicism into your everyday life. That right there is the Novus Ordo spirituality mentality in a nutshell. Why? It's a complete reversal. It's a topsy-turvy, upside-down confusion of the purpose of Catholicism. The question a Catholic should be asking or, the, or, or should be asking is, how can I fit my life into Catholicism? Not, how can I find ways to insert Catholicism at my workplace? It should be, how can I insert my workplace into Catholicism? Not, how do I find ways to insert Catholicism into the life of my children? No. How do I make my kids into Catholics? Now, you might think they're the same thing. They're not. They're not the same thing at all. On the one, it is, I live a life as a person, and because I'm a person, I'm awesome. I'm going to slay. I'm going to kill the game. I'm going to crush it. Look at me. I'm slaying the game. Can you say slaying the game? I don't know. And I'm going to fit some Catholicism in there to make my life better. The traditional Catholic says, I'm a person, which means I'm a wretched sinner, and I'm radically dependent on the grace of God. Therefore, I'm going to fit my entire being into Catholicism and be transformed. You see the difference there? The Novus Ordo, and again, there are exceptions. And where are the exceptions? The exceptions are where you have, you know, some decent Franciscans, some decent Dominicans, so on and so forth, who their prayer life has stayed the same. Where they have the office and they're reading Aquinas and all those kinds of things. They live all they live this life of all these virtues and things. And then they bring that devotional spirit to their celebration of liturgy, or those who do that in their personal lives as laymen, they bring that with them to Mass, so they're predisposed. But that's not from the liturgy, that's from outside the liturgy. Whereas, if you were just a regular layman 100 years ago, 
and you lived in downtown Toronto, New York, whatever, and you worked at the local butcher, and you just went to a low mass every morning and went to high mass on Sunday, do you know how much more immeasurably you would be formed to be a saint than if you went to the Novus Ordo every day of your life? You would have a catechesis in almost a completely different religion. <clears throat> I was scrolling through YouTube, as I said, and it made me think of something. I thought, okay, if there is a sign that there is a greater aspiration for holiness in the old right, traditional Catholicism, then we should probably see that generally, not universally, generally, in the way that, let's say, traditional Catholic apologists promote Catholicism versus Novus Ordo Catholic apologists. Now, I'm not going to go look up for the screen here, Novus Ordo Catholic Apologists, because I'm not trying to start some sort of stupid YouTube war. And if I bring up, you know, so-and-so from this place or that place, and I compare it to what I'm about to show you, then it becomes one of those stupid things. But just think of, you know, the top apologists, you know, the radio show guys, the big podcasters and so forth. And I just, I'm going to bring up Taylor Marshall here. And I'm going to type in something to show you what I mean. And I want you to ask yourself, would, it, would I see the same thing? Would I see the same thing? I'm just going to pull this up here. One second. Okay. Here it is. Let me just share my screen. So I just typed in on YouTube, Taylor Marshall Rosary. Now let's look here. So... I'll just click videos so it's not just shorts or whatever. Taylor Marshall Rosary. So if we scroll down, we've got like 20 videos of him both praying the rosary with his audience, telling people to pray the rosary every day, talking about the power of the rosary, him praying the rosary with nuns on air, him teaching you how to pray Oh, look at these guys. Aren't these guys wonderful? Forgetting Taylor Marshall. Why these two trads tune him out. Catholic brothers. I've never heard of them. Actually, no, you don't tune Taylor Marshall out. You're obsessed with him, which is why you make a video about it. So kind of showed your hand there. Uh, anyway, we've got tons of videos just from a basic search on not just apologetics for the rosary, like why do Catholics pray to Mary, that kind of thing, which is super common in the Novus Ordo, but here's how you pray the rosary. Let's pray the rosary together. And by the way, you should pray the rosary every day. What's the tagline in his show? Pray the rosary every day, you're not on the team. He tells everybody to go find a traditional mass, tells everybody to go to confession more, tells everybody to fast more, tells everyone to do more penance, tells everybody to read the Bible more. Always. Now, if you did a search of your basic Novus Ordo outlets and apologists, the same way, 
do you think you'd find the same devotion? Across the board, in a general sense, I don't think you would. I really don't think you would. Even my friend Anthony Stein, who's known as, you know, he's always talking about traditional Catholic commentary on crisis and stuff like that. Even he, who's got more of a sort of news-based channel, two or three times a week, he's posting sermons of saints, just reading them. And he does that. They get no views. They get like 2,000 views, you know, the odd time more. It's not the moneymaker. He does that because he's a traditional Catholic and he can't help himself. Why is this important? The rosary is the surefire sign of Catholic devotion in the West. Of course it is. You will not find a, a saint in the last thousand years since the rosary became popular that will not tell you to pray the rosary always. Catholics love the rosary. Protestants hate the rosary. Catholics love the rosary. Protestants hate the rosary. This is why you know Protestantism is satanic. Because the devil hates Mary as much as anyone. And exorcists will tell you that when you invoke the name of Mary in an exorcism, stuff gets wild. Why is that? Because in the scriptures, Mary tells us herself, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. What does that mean? The more you see the Virgin Mother, the more you see Jesus. The more you look at Mary, the more in focus, magnified, Jesus becomes. So if you want to know whether something is inspiring people to holiness, you need to look at their devotion to the Holy Rosary. Traditional Catholicism, I mean this in a nice way, it's like the rosary's vomited on everybody. And what I mean is, it's, it just, it's expelled. The rosary's everywhere, at all times. Tiller Marshall, the leading traditional Catholic apologist, just in a quick search, there's like a dozen instances of him in the last six months to two years praying the rosary with his almost million followers. If you look up the corollaries in the Novus Ordo Catholic world, you'll definitely find apologetics about the rosary, like why Protestants are wrong about praying to the saints. Why Protestants are wrong about praying to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Why the rosary is biblical. But what are all those things? Those are apologetical arguments for the rationality, why it's reasonable to pray the rosary. They're not arguments for why you must pray the rosary or you're not on the team. These are just, the, this is just the way it is, my friends. And why is that? Because the Novus Ordo, where many of these people go for Mass, it just simply doesn't inspire them to have a deeper love of God and His Mother. Because the Novus Ordo Mass is about you. It's not about God. Obviously, objectively, there's a sacrifice. Yeah, but fine. It's not about God in the perception I did a video the other day about narcissism in the church. The perception that you have psychologically is that the priest is facing you, and because the priest is standing in persona Christi, it's as if God is staring at you, and the perception that you have over time is that you're there to worship yourselves. That's the, that's the corollary. 
Think about what happens in your local parish if you have the Novus Ordo experience. Think of all the egos you have to deal with. And you know what I'm talking about. You want to put a statue there. You want to do this or whatever in Holy Week. You want to do these things. And, you know, Susan of the parish council comes out of the woodwork. is like, well, I don't like that. Sorry, it's not about you, Susan. It's about God. Well, that's not very charitable. Yes, it is. I'm helping you not being an idiot. Not be an idiot. This is the Novus Ordo way. Compare that to the traditional parish. Or it's a completely different atmosphere. Let's just go back to the rosary for a second. Now, there'll be exception to this. But I challenge you to find someone who prays the rosary every single day who doesn't make his or her way to the traditional mass. I have never met a person like that in my life. There are exceptions of maybe people are stuck in settings where they can't get to the traditional mass because of geography. But find someone who devoutly prays the traditional Catholic rosary every single day with their family and doesn't eventually, maybe it takes years because of setting, eventually find their way to the traditional Catholic mass. You might find someone, but it's one in a hundred. Compare in a traditional Catholic setting the amount of people who do pray the rosary every day versus those who don't in the Novus Ordo setting. Now, I'm sure, but I mean, in our priory, we have two chapels. Let's just say there's roughly 500 parishioners, let's say. Out of all the families, I honestly can't think of a single one where I would have any reason to believe why the family doesn't pray the rosary every single day. I can't think of a single one. I don't have a single friend who is a traditional Catholic who does not pray the rosary every single day. I don't know of anyone who I'm friends with in the online sense who's a traditional Catholic who doesn't pray the rosary every single day. If I think back to when I was in the Novus Ordo, and I'm talking about devout conservative Novus Ordo, most of them did not pray the rosary every day. Most of them did not. Many of them prayed the Divine Mercy. Most of them did not pray the rosary every day. Even those who, you know, always were going to Medjugorje and things like that, they still didn't pray the rosary every day. They had a great love of Marian apparitions. They didn't pray the rosary every day. When I was in the Fatima Center, every single person there was encouraged to pray the rosary every single day. When I was at LifeSite, uh, the meetings actually started every day with a decade of the rosary. <laughs> Where you find traditional Catholics, you find the traditional Catholic piety, which is the rosary. You compare this to the Novus Ordo, and the rosary is an afterthought. Generally, not always, but generally. It's a complete reversal. This makes total sense, doesn't it? What's the impetus for the new mass? What did Annibale Bonini say? You know, we must remove everything that is a shadow of a stumbling block for our separated brethren, the Protestants. Protestants don't like Mary, so we've got to take her out. 
Also, the rosary is the companion to the crucifixion. You know, Christ did nothing, in a sense, nothing monumental without his mother there. He came into the world in the, you know, through the Virgin Mary. He was raised, he was nourished by the Virgin Mary. He was raised by the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph. But St. Joseph also united himself to Mary. When he went to the crucifixion, the Virgin Mary was there, so on and so forth. Jesus Christ chose to live a life attached to the Virgin Mary. And corresponding to that, the Virgin Mary chose to live a life or assented to living a life attached to Jesus Christ and the cross. This is why one of the most powerful names you can call the Virgin Mary by is the Our Lady of Sorrows, Appalachian, not the mountains. Not Appalachian and the mountain sense, but Appalachian like calling of her name. This is why in the traditional setting, you find the rosary all the time. Whereas in the Novus Ordo, you don't. Because in the traditional setting, to go back to our beginning, you find the crucifixion front and center. In the Novus Ordo, you don't. So, you're not going to find Mary there either. Because there's nowhere she'd rather be than at the cross. And if the cross isn't there, you're not going to have her. All right. Are there individuals who find holiness through their lives of piety and devotion and who do attend the new mass as a place to go to mass? Yes. But is the new mass a breeding ground for saints? Not a chance. Not a chance. Is the traditional mass a breeding ground for saintliness historically? Of course it is. Does that mean every traditional Catholic is a saint? Not a chance. <laughs> but does that mean that the traditional setting is where if you are seeking holiness, you will be helped in a way that is impossible in the new mass setting? Yes. So you want to know why the new mass doesn't inspire holiness for all the reasons we said, but I would boil it down to the fact that the cross is not there and neither is the Virgin Mary. That should give you something to think about. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, let me know what you think in the comments. This has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time, God bless.